Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, welcome to Awaken Church. I'm one of the pastors here. My uh, friends call me Vashi. My real name is Walter. Um, so you're welcome to address me either way. But I am uh, super excited to be able to talk to you guys today. I, uh, I don't get tons of opportunities to speak to the church, uh, to speak up in front. I, do, I feel like I do a lot of teaching, but it's in smaller groups, a lot of uh, with, with high school students or in home groups and things like that. But it's a great blessing to be able to speak to you guys today, especially uh, Ephesians 4. Um, so I, I know kind of a, a, a recap of the last few weeks. Um, you know, it was just really exciting. Andrew talked on the blessings all the different spiritual blessings that God has promised. In Ephesians 1, Frank, Frank uh, did just a masterful job helping us understand the gospel, the grace of God that was given to us, the, this distinction that we've never earned anything, but God has freely given us this gift of eternal life. And it's different from every other religion, every other mindset when it comes to thinking about spirituality, that God poured his grace upon us, even though he knew he would re- we would reject him. And then uh, Richard last week talked about the mystery, uh, this mystery uh, that is spoken of in Ephesians 3, this, uh, the Florida, was a Florida State, University of Florida State, is that what he came up with? This, this melding, I, wish, I should have asked him for the graphic, it was an awesome graphic, um, mostly because it looks most like a gator and a little bit like a Seminole, but uh, anyway, no, it was, uh, it was an awesome graphic, but he just talked about this mystery of the Gentiles, the Jews coming together, being united together. And uh, what, what um, just this something that in their time was totally a foreign mindset that the Gentiles could come before God in the same way that the Jews did. And, um, and then today we're going to talk through chapter 4, and chapter 4 is just, it's just packed full of how to live as a Christian and what it means to walk in a way worthy of our calling. And um, So I don't know how many of you guys, how many of you guys here have ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse? Has been a Brazilian steakhouse. Brazilian steakhouse. So, I'm quite fond of the Brazilian steakhouse experience. I, I can only afford it if my work pays for it. Um, so, but uh, when you go to a Brazilian steakhouse, uh, you you get to this delightful state of bliss where you are so gorged by meat that you can't. I can't eat one more bite of filet mignon or one more bite of a ribeye steak. I mean something that I love so much, but I just can't even, one more morsel, it's just too much. And when I go through Ephesians 4, that's kind of what I feel like. I feel like, man, this is the Brazilian steakhouse of a chapter. This is like, there's no way to, endure, to I mean, we can consume all we want in this, and we're still going to be so much more out there. We're going to want to consume more, but I'm going to ask you guys, I, I can't teach everything that's in this chapter in one hour or two hours or three hours. There's just so much to go through. I'm going to hit some things I feel like that God put on my heart to share with you, things that I did uh, as, as a pastor, the way that I'm wired, that I can help. And my prayer, my hope is you guys dive into this scripture over and over again, because there is so much meat here. This is so deep. There's so much power behind this, the, the, the words that Paul is communicating, because there's so much action that comes from this. This is so much how we can live. And uh, yeah, we could spend I mean, you could spend you could spend a whole year look just studying. I mean, there's just so much stuff here. So, I, um, you know, I I I feel like that this 
This chapter is really summarized the first, in verse number one, it says that, that we're supposed to, that God's calling us to live a life that is worthy of the calling. And, um, you know, every one of us has got a unique calling on our life. It's kind of a, a, a Christianese type word, but it's, it's, it's meant to be a purpose. It's meant to be that, that Paul is identifying that you are an individual person. God has created you for a specific purpose. And you're to walk in a way that's worthy of this specific purpose. There's commonalities to all brothers and sisters, all other Christians that are common to us. You know, we're to share the gospel. We're to, we're to, to live in a way where we love one another. But there's also something specific and personal that's involved in this passage where God is, is challenging you to identify, understand this specific calling. And the, the hope, I think the intent is that we would all mature and grow into our faith until we're like Jesus. That this calling that God has on us, we continue to walk, continue to grow, continue to mature our entire lives. And so this is kind of like a journey, is the way I look at it. This is not a, a teaching where I just want you guys to absorb a bunch of stuff. It's really a teaching where I want you guys to capture something, and then I want you guys to put into practice the things that God is speaking to us in this passage. And I also want you guys to recognize the motivation. This is really important. He's coming right off of these, these chapters, these three chapters, where um, there's just all these things that God has done for us. And the motivation is not that we turn back around and we go, you know what, God's given me a list of all the things that I'm going to do for him. I want you guys to capture what he's done in the first three chapters. He's talked about all these things that he's done for us, and now he's freeing us to go live in a way that follows Jesus. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's an attitude, a response to this love that he's given to us. It's a response that I do this because of this great love that was shown to me, because of the grace that was poured out on me. I'm going to live my life in this way, not out of guilt, but out of true love and harmony with Christ, where I'm walking with him. And he's, he's impressed on me to live in this way. So let me pray for us. Jesus, I just do ask you, God, to... Lord, uh, help me to communicate a lot of info in a short amount of time, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, the Spirit of God. I pray, I ask you, Lord, to touch each of us in a special way, in a unique way, in a powerful way. And God, we walk out of here today, not just uh, Christians who, the same way we walked in. We will be more mature. We'll be more grown up. We'll be more um, like Jesus in our attitudes and our mindsets. And Lord, we look to you. Lord, just to, to know the, the how. How do we become and how do we live this Christian life, Lord? I, I just um, I pray, Lord, that some of those nuggets would, would uh, really um, just be impressed in our heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, verse 1, like I mentioned, says that you walk worthy of the calling which you were called. I... Uh, I feel like this is kind of a mindset. You guys remember the, the bracelets they used to have with WWJD? What would Jesus do? This is kind of like, I think the idea is, okay, I can ask what would Jesus do, but there's a plan. And Ephesians 4 gives us some plan. It gives us a plan. It gives us some ideas on here's some things that you can do to walk in a way that's worthy of your calling. So I'm going to look at this chapter a little different. Instead of just going sequentially through the, through the passage, there's so much of this book that talks about what it looks like to be a new Christian, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. 
And I could spend hours and hours talking about all the details of what it looks like. And we're not going to do that today. I'm just going to run through what it looks like really quick. And you guys are going to have to search and read and you guys can dive into each one of the adjectives, the descriptions of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus closer on your own time. I'd love to talk to you guys with any questions uh, to ask one of the pastors, one of the leaders of the church, to this, if there's anything that's confusing. But just for the sake of time, it's just going to be important. I want to dig into something uh, more of the how instead of just the what today. So we're going to look at some of the, the how really quick, I mean the what really quick, and then we're going to get, move on to the how. So um, you know, Ephesians 3, 6 says, Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who is over all and through all and in all. So, I mean, this is a powerful passage. This is a unifying passage. This uni- should unify all churches, denominations, all, all different types of thinkers. There is one God he has one intent, one purpose, one message. He is over all that we are doing. In fact, you could say that in, in this way, this is describing there is even one church that are followers of Jesus. I, um, I only, th- when I'm thinking about this, I, you know, Sunday morning can be described as one of the most segregated times in, our, in America. It can be one of the one where people have hard lines of what, where they're going, what they're doing, how they're doing. And I just look at this, I just recognize, boy, God wants us to be committed to one place so that there can, we can experience that unity. We can't be in 10 different places. You can't be, you know, have, where I'm visiting a different denomination every week, or I'm going to uh, try to, to pull in information from 10 different teachers or whatever. I just think God wants us to, in all that we're doing, to be unified so that we can experience what it's like to just have the one Father, the one Spirit, the one I mean, just, he, he's really, I think the, the intent behind it is we just need to, to kind of simplify and recognize God's authority and help us to, to experience that with one another. Ephesians uh, 5, 25 to 32, kind of towards the end of the chapter. It says, lay aside all falsehoods, speak the truth with one another, uh, with one of you as his, as his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That God wants us to be united as a church family. We're to communicate, be integrally involved with one another, individuals interfacing with one another. We're not just to come as by ourselves, but recognize that God wants us to, to connect with one another. Verse 26, it says, Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. You know, the, the idea that, all, that uh, time heals all wounds, it's just not true. Time allows us to get old, crusty, nasty scabs. That's what it does. And then every time the devil has an opportunity, he starts picking at that scab and you just get a nastier, worse wound. God wants us to deal with our anger. He wants to deal with, with discontent with one another in a quick fashion because he wants us to live in a way of, of harmony and unity with one another. He doesn't want us to be ruled by things like our emotions or our anger, but he wants to deal with them quickly. Don't let the sun go down. Don't, don't let yourself dwell on these things. But go back, seek forgiveness. Seek repentance, seek Jesus to heal and to connect us back with one another. goes on, it says, he, he who steals must steal no longer, but he must labor, perform with his own hands what is good, so he will have something to share with one who has need. You know, that we should have a mindset that we are generous, that we're working hard, we're diligent in the work that we do. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, 
But such a word is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it will give grace to those who hear. That we should have this way that we communicate. It's not critical. It's not unkind. It's, it's not mean or malicious. But it edifies the people around us. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you were sealed in the day of redemption. Boy, this is a, this is a hugely deep passage, a hugely deep phrase that we shouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, he's our seal. He's our sense of identification. He protects us. He's our helper. And yet we can grieve him by the things that we do as a Christian. When we think about materialistic things instead of spiritual things, when he sees that we love the world more than we love him, when I think when we see something like, you know, that our Netflix, we've watched all these things, yet how many times have we spent in the Bible? Does that grieve the Spirit of God? I think there's all kinds of things we can do that grieve God's Spirit. And this is such a challenging, challenging passage to think about. They, the Spirit of God lives in us. He knows our intentions. He knows our motivation. And we are constantly in communication with Him, in communion with Him, and, and yet we can make Him sad. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. You know, this is just, these are emotions. These are, are things that we, can, we should put behind us as Christians. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. That there should be this way that we interact that is just, it's, it's, it's loving, it's kind, it's forgiving. It's the way that Christ interacts with us. Every time I think about how someone has offended me, if someone has upset me, Someone's disappointed me. I always, when I think about, well, has Christ forgiven me of that same thing? I can always compare what Christ has done for me and whatever someone else has done to me is never as bad as what I've done that I need forgiveness for. I'm always, if I can meditate on that, there's just not an offense someone could do that is worse than the things I've done in my heart. So, all of this is, is challenging. These are challenging challenges on how we should live as a Christian. Challenges on, um, on just how, how we should operate, what Christians should do, how, how we should walk, how we should, in our day in and day out lives, what we should do. The, I wanted to really dive into is three different manners that are worthy of our calling to help us walk. Three different manners in which we should walk that are worthy of our calling. The result of walking in those manners will be these things that I've talked about. You won't grieve the Holy Spirit if you walk in these manners. You won't have issues where you're not being kind-hearted and forgiving one another if you walk in these manners. So I'm going to focus on those three really for the teaching. That's really the meat I want you to get. These other things that talk about what it looks like, they're a result. They're the effect of walking in, this man, in these manners that are worthy of our calling. So the first one we're going to jump into uh, chapters 11, sorry, chapter 4, 11, uh, verses 11 through 13. He said he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and then some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the working of the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until we will attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. So when you guys read that passage, 
you probably read it a little bit different than the pastors in the church. Because right now there's a handful of guys that this is speaking to directly as a job description. Do you guys ever think of that? This, if you want to ask, are your pastors doing a good job? Then are we following this? Are we equipping the saints for the work of service? That is really the job of a pastor, of a teacher. That fourth, it's, it has five descriptions here, but the pastors and teachers is really, it's just one, it's just one role, one responsibility, one person that's kind of been described in, as a shepherd or someone who's caring, but also someone who's teaching, who's educating, who's providing, helping, helping the, the flock to grow. So uh, for us apostles, when we look at that, these are folks who have been who have a, a ministry that's beyond just the local church. It's a ministry that blesses usually many other churches. For us, we have, we have guys in our association, Rick Whitney, John Hopler, uh, even more locally here, Matt Gordon, who have an apostolic ministry where they go out and they help churches to grow, and they help churches really help to, to, help to provide um, structure and things for churches to grow and, and really help to shepherd pastors in some ways. You have prophets, folks that speak the word of God, they're able to take God's word and communicate it powerfully. Uh, in, our, in our world, this, this could be you know, uh, different authors, seminary professors, uh, or even some of our, our pastors in our, in our association, Robbie McAllister or Steve Nelson, but this could be someone like Henry Blackaby or John Piper, who have this role where they, they are prophets who are communicating God's word, helping us to discern and understand God's word and how it applies to what we're doing today evangelists who are gifted at, speak, at communicating God's message of the gospel. Uh, we, have, we have a bunch that work with us in our, in our church and our association, Herschel Martindale, uh, Mike Cater, Tom Short. These guys, I mean, Tom Short, he goes to around a campus every week communicating God's word, preaching the word of God, different evangelists. But the one that connects to you guys the most or the one that, you, that I want you guys to really tie into today is this, this idea of the pastor to the teacher. So we've got four pastors in our church. All of us are gifted differently. We kind of bring something different to the table in how we're wired. But the goal, the expectation for us is that we're equipping you guys to do the work of service. We're equipping you to do the work of the church. We don't have a pastor lady situation here. We're not the ones who are speaking about it. The expectation is not just that, that we're the ones who are doing all the work of God and you guys are just ones who come in and hear a message about God, but in reality, we're helping you to fulfill the mission that God has for you, to fulfill the calling that God has for you, the individual specific purpose that you have, that God's created you for. Your pastors are here to help equip you and to see you serve in that fashion. In fact, the work of the church is to be done by the saints, okay? So that's, that is Really, the expectation here that Paul is setting is if we're doing a good job as pastors in equipping, and our saints are doing a good job of receiving that equipping, the work of God would be done. What we would see, where you would see the fruit, is individually, every single person would see that fruit in their lives. And um, so this is, this is powerful. This is a challenge. We'll tell you guys, but this is a key. If you want to see this Christian life happen, is this structure that God has put in is really important. You can learn a lot from reading books. You can learn a lot from listening to a tale of evangelists. You can learn a lot from, from, re, you know, from just uh, searching old hymns and singing them. 
But if you want to be equipped for God's work, you need to be connected to pastors, to teachers, to shepherds who are individually helping you to grow. This is one of the important parts of being, part of, of being so connected to the body because that is really what we're committed to doing. I don't know how many of you guys know this, but every Sunday morning at 9.15, I am spending 45 minutes equipping the saints for the work of service. I do it every single week. It's how our youth ministry runs, Jolt. I don't lead Jolt. I haven't spoken in front of Jolt to the, to the whole group in over a year and a half. All I do is I meet with our leaders every single week and I equip them for the work of service because I want the young people in our church to get in the mentality that even though Vash may be able to speak better than they do, he may be able to, um, you know, may know more of the Word of God, he may have different talents or experiences that he could communicate, I want them to feel the burden of their responsibility is to lead their youth group, to minister to their peers, to reach out to the people around them. And I want them to see the pastor's responsibility is helping to equip them not to do the work. So I try to make it really, really clear. And the fruit of that is God gets the glory when God uses the young people to do that work, and they get to experience what that looks like to see the word of, to see God use them to minister to people. We might get more people to come out if we had a more experienced person leading the youth group or someone who is putting more time into more eloquent teachings or more powerful or exciting games and things like that. But in reality, the fruit that I want to see is I want to see our young people, our young high school students experiencing what it looks like to be equipped and to go out and do God's work. So this is a tough situation for me because uh, I feel like if I, I mean, everyone here usually, if, I'm, if I make food for everybody, everybody's eager to eat food from, if Vash is making you know, barbecue, you, the line is like really long. Like we can get, most people, people don't cut out, they're like, man, we're serving barbecue, I'll be here. Vash, I'm glad to eat the barbecue that you serve. But I don't always feel that the church is ready to receive instruction or equipping, okay? Now, I'm in two different worlds, for you guys to know this. So I'm a vice president of a big corporation, Arcadis. There's 30,000 employees. I've got a lot of responsibility, a lot of engineering things that I do, but I have an authoritative position there. And then I have this authoritative position in my, in my church. So I've got, you know, a pastor. I have certain things I'm responsible for. It should be really easy for me to distinguish, okay, which one do you really have more authority in? You know, which one, which one where does your leadership get, have more, is received in a more serious way or more powerful way? And I will tell you guys, I probably get more from the engineering side than I do necessarily from the church. And it shouldn't be that way. Now, I'm not saying it's you guys' fault. I think some of it is it's tough for us to know where the lines are, to know where, hey, is the pastor encouraging me to do this because it's an idea, or does the pastor really want me to grow in this area? Is it really important when the pastors invite us to a meeting that we show up, or is it kind of a, it's kind of a questionable thing? I promise you guys I get much better attendance at my work when I call a meeting than I do here. I'm just telling you guys the, the honest truth. It is a rarity in my work that someone doesn't follow instructions that I give to them. And I've got no authority over them except for money. It's pretty sad. Honestly. It's, I mean, that's kind of a weak thing. 
for an authoritative position, you know, it's, it's not, that's not real powerful. This is where God is setting up this church structure. And I want to challenge you guys to, there should be tension here. You guys should be thinking, how are my pastors equipping me and how am I doing the work of service? If something breaks down, if they're not equipping me, they're not challenging me to serve, they're not teaching the God, God's word to me, then that's, on, that's their fault. <laughs> but on everyone, for an individual or for you personally, if they are and you're not responding, something you should take really seriously. This is going to be hard for you to grow or to mature into the, into the person God wants you to be if you don't have that attitude that, hey, I want to grow. I want these guys to teach me. These are the examples. These are the people God has put to give me instruction. Don't put us on a pedestal. Don't, don't put us above where God wants us to be. We're humble servants. <laughs> um, I'm not in any way trying to, to, to communicate that, but I am communicating this is a job. This is a role. This is a responsibility. And we're not doing a good job if our, we're not seeing the saints equipped in, their, in doing the work that God has given them to do. All right, so... The second manner which we should walk is according to the responsibility of the body. So Ephesians 4, uh, 15 and 16, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we should, uh, we, we should grow up in all aspects into him who is, who, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fit together, fit and held together by every, what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part that causes the body to grow for the building up of itself in love. This is a description that if we want to walk in this manner of our calling, we've got to do so as part of the body, okay? We've got to figure out what part of the body God has created us to be, and that we need to serve in that fashion, and wholeheartedly serve in that fashion. This is huge. If you serve outside of the body, you're useless. No one's severed arm has ever done anything good, okay? It's just useless. It just gets thrown away. It's, it's worthless. It needs to be connected to the rest of the body. Paul is challenging us to serve in this way. For us at Awaken, you know, we, we've got, um, you know, we, we have, have uh, I guess, a couple times a year, we put a lot of effort into helping people to understand their gifts. I know Jessica spent some time, uh, Frank spent some time putting together some curriculum to help people understand, here's how God has made me. Here's the gifts that I have, and here's how to help me, help me, to serve or to work in those gifts. So part of it's an attitude that I'm going to be part of the body. Part of it's an exploration. I need to figure out what that looks like. And then part of it is just, man, am I going to do it? Am I going to be committed to doing it? If you guys, God's gifted you in teaching and you're not teaching, something's wrong. God's gifted you guys in giving and you don't see opportunities to give, something is wrong. He's gifted you in serving and you don't see an opportunity to serve, something is wrong. You guys should be able to identify right on the tip of my tongue, Every single day I'm praying for, I'm engaged in this act of finding out how God has, has wired me and then serving the body of Christ in that way. This is how this chunk, the church should function. We should all know what part of the body we are and we should all be running as hard as we can together as a group, as a team. I, um, you know, I, I, I was blessed to see this in this, the recent mission trip that we were on to the uh, Dominican Republic. We, uh, we had a lot of trials, and I think part of the reason we had so many trials is because we had put together such solid plans. 
And I was like, man, God, we're walking into this. I had such good plans that I could replicate it and give it to somebody, kind of envision that this would be a piece of cake. Literally trials as big as when we were building a zip line, we'd go up to the site and the tree the zip line was to start in, the hurricane arm had knocked it down. The tree didn't exist. The tree we were landing into, the locals had burnt the core of the tree out with fire. No good. I mean, just blew my mind how these different plans just kind of were just kaput. But the reason for that, I think, looking back, is that God wanted to see how we would function as a body. And we did. I, you know, normally on these trips, I do a lot of cooking. I cook like two meals out of like 30 meals. I mean, just somebody else picked up the slack. Uh, we've, we've, I mean, it's just all kinds of on the fly. All these calculations that Aaron had done and Christian had done, these guys, they just figured, hey, Lord, we're gonna, we'll do whatever you want us to do. They had an attitude that they wanted to serve. We had all kinds of stuff serving. We had all these evangelism opportunities that we wanted to, we were, we were taking the gospel to these children and orphanage, all these different things. And some of these just, they just collapsed because they wouldn't let us in or they, they, they wouldn't let us do what we were hoping to do. Yet God used, you know, I mean, just us sharing the gospel on a basketball court to lead people to Christ. And just things we just didn't know. But he ultimately was able to work through the body. And that was really my goal, searching this, Lord, what do you want us to do next? And God just providing people to fill those gaps over and over and over again. It was beautiful. So this, this function, of the function of responsibility to serve in the body is the second manner. The third manner is... Uh, well, the third man, let's look at this. Let's look at this right here. So I just want you guys to know, can anyone identify who this looks like? Any questions? What's that? Simeon, do you have a guess? No. So this is, uh, this is what my corpse looks like 23 years old from now. So 23 years ago, I died spiritually to myself. And when I think about my old self, that's what he looks like. He's decrepit, he's putrid, he looks slightly athletic like I used to 23 years ago. <laughs> but he's nasty, he's not nice, he's disgusting, okay? The third manner we have to walk is we've got to be willing to put away our old self and put on the new body, which is Christ. I'm telling you guys, some of you guys have seen that person, okay? My family, uh, there's been some meetings I've been at that this guy's re- reared his head, and all the old wretched things that used to be a part of who I am come out, and they're just horrific. They're ugly. They're hideous. We need to think about our old self in that same way, that before Christ, this is what we looked like. But God has called us to become a new creature, a new person. We have a new identity, a new way of walking, a new way of this, this, this calling would change us so that we would have a new way of looking of our outlook and we would be described in a new way. You can go to the next verse. That's kind of ugly. All right. It says, it's Ephesians four seventeen through 19. That I say this, affirm together with the Lord that you no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futileness of their mind, futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, 
and they have become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality and the practice of every type of impurity with greediness. This old way that we used to have, this can be difficult for some of you guys. Okay, so some of you, maybe you've been a Christian since you're three years old. I know there's some people in this room that have been. When they think of their old self, they don't just, you, you think, of, well, how was I at three years old? How could I have been that bad? I don't want you guys to think about that this corpse was made 23 years ago. I've been, I've been shedding this old way for 23 years. It wasn't like God just transformed. It's not like God is asking for a miraculous transformation. Every part of our life is completely different when we become a Christian. In reality, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that helps to change us. It helps to transform us. And day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, those old wretched things go away. The cursing, the anger, the lying, the selfishness. There's just all these, these different facets that, that Paul does, he does so well in this chapter, dying, or tying into. They all go away. They become, a, they become part of the corpse. And we need to not let the corpse resurrect itself. We need to keep it dead. You know, my struggles with anger, they still come up, and they're horrible to be around. I need to pin them on that guy, the old guy, the corpse, and say, that's not me anymore. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to behave that way. And this new, Christ, this new person in Christ is who I'm going to tie myself to. You go on in that chapter, he says, you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you had heard, if you had heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in your reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Lay it aside, put it away. Don't let him come out. And recognize that even if you've been a Christian since you're three, you've been leaving those attributes behind that whole time. And you are a new creature, a new creation. And constantly we need to be connecting ourselves to this person that we can be in Christ, this more mature person that is becoming more day in and day out like Jesus. The end of, this, of, the, of uh, the passage there, it says, you will be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The way that we put off the old guy, the corpse, is we first change our minds. Romans 12 talks about this. We renew our minds. We, we connect in our minds that that is not who we're going to be, and we're going to be like Jesus. And then when we're giving opportunities, we recognize that that's just not who we are. Think of yourself like a prisoner. You just got out of prison. You became a Christian. No one walks around in prison clothes after they leave prison. You just don't do it. You don't throw, keep the orange jumpsuit because it looks cool. You get rid of that and you say, I'm going to walk around as a new person now, a new creature. And keep reminding yourself, every time it raises its ugly head, that's not who I am. God wants me to be something different. I am something different through Christ. This is where the Christianity has got to go a lot further, though, than just 
what's the renewing of our mind. It has to go into our actions, into our be embodied into who we are and what we do. We need to be controlled and consumed by Jesus. So I'm running late here. I'm going to leave you guys with three challenges, okay? Just uh, three things. If you guys, maybe all three of these, may, they may or may not resonate. They may be too much. I'd be thrilled if, if there's just one of them you guys put into action. I think it would be awesome. But there's three things they tie to the, to the three manners in which we walk. The first question I want you to ask yourself, am I eager to grow for my pastors and teachers? This is an attitude. Are you really eager to grow? Every time you guys show up to a meeting, to a teaching, to if you're just having lunch, or you just walk by, you like, man, God, I want you to teach me something. Can you, can these, can, can I, you should have an expectation that you're being equipped by your pastors and teachers. You should be able to answer the question, what are they teaching me? What, what's, what, is it a sermon that they're teaching me? Is it, is it something in a leadership meeting? Is it something they challenge me on personally? Well, you should be able to answer the question, how, what, you know, what, what, how can I identify what they're teaching me right now? Second challenge is identifying how I fit in the body. How has God made me to serve? This should be something every one of us can communicate just off the tip of our tongue. And more importantly, the people around us should be experiencing that. They should be experiencing how you are serving the body of Christ. I should be able to, the people around you should be able to tell you how you're serving the, or how, which, how you're serving the body because they're getting to experience that. If you don't know what those are, keep an eye out for the equipping classes uh, that Jessica and Frank, Frank have put together. The third one is what areas of my old self do I need to reject? What areas am I just it's just not me? That is not who I am. Areas of sin, areas of attitude. Areas of just, maybe I've got some old scabs that I need to really heal. Um, maybe there's pride and, and, and it's keeping me from, from humbling myself before others, before God. Whatever it is, can I identify something that is, that's my old self, and God, I'm just, I'm not going to, it's not going to be a part of me anymore. I'm shedding that. It's gone. We pray for us. Thank you, Jesus, so much for... This chapter, uh, Lord, I just, um, I just pray, God, that you would powerfully help us, Lord, to understand, God, how we can walk according to this calling. Lord, that we walk in a manner worthy of, of uh, Lord, just the structure you put in our church. God, the pastors and teachers, how they connect with us, God. Uh, we walk in a manner, Lord, as part of the body, and a manner, Lord, as, as denying our old self and putting on the new. Lord, that we would get to experience this truly, this Christian life that is, uh, is just amazing, God, how you transform us. And I just thank you so much, Jesus, for the word of God that you've given to us and the power uh, that it has, God. And Lord, just, um, just pray, Lord, that you'd, you'd help us to grow and mature in you. In Jesus' name, amen.